So, I have a question, and it's this. What would it take for your generation to change the reputation of the local church? What would it take for your generation to change the reputation of the local church? My note to self is the story of my college experience. And I absolutely loved college. It was amazing. It was the greatest years of my life. I know it's not the greatest years of everyone's life. And I know it's just, that's just not fair to say. When people say that, people's like, college is the great, greatest years of your life. And you're like, no, we're in the midst of a pandemic. Like, it's not been that great. You know, I get that. How many freshmen and sophomores in the room? Freshmen and sophomores in the room. Yeah, that's not been, it's not been normal for college for you guys. I understand that. But for me, I said yes to everything in college and I loved it. If I could go back and do it again, I would go do it again. It was that much fun. It was incredible. And I love my life now, but I'm just saying college was great. It was awesome. And for me, spiritually, it was incredible. And because I said yes to everything, this is what my schedule looked like in college. On Monday nights, I went to a Bible study with over a thousand college students in it. It was led by a guy that you've heard of, some of you know, Louis Giglio. He was one of my college pastors, okay? On Tuesday nights, I went to Fellowship of Christian Athletes because I was a part of the football team there. I wanted to be around athletes. I know you're looking at me like, really? Yeah, I, I, I was only a part of it. I never played, okay? Don't worry about that. On Wednesday mornings, I had a, a prayer group that I attended. On Sunday mornings, I went to one church. On Sunday evenings, I went to another church. Baylor is a Baptist school, and that was kind of normal. You went to church twice on Sundays. If you're Baptist, you know what I'm talking about. And that was my week. And I just would take in and take in and take in as much as I could. And I loved it. And I didn't think anything was wrong with it. And that's how I kind of went through college. I was in a fraternity as well, because I said yes to everything. I played on the sports team, yes. I ended up coaching soccer before my time was done at, at Baylor as well. And I just said yes to whatever opportunity, because I was like, hey, this is awesome. And then my junior year, I started going to the same church and the same college ministry. So I didn't double dip on, on Sundays. I went to the same one because the college pastor was an incredible visionary. They were planning churches all over the world as a college ministry, which is crazy. Before I graduated, they had planted over 15 churches around the world, which is crazy. I'm talking in enclosed countries. And so I started going there and their worship was amazing. And who doesn't love great worship, you know? And um, so I just started doing that. And then I get into the summer after my senior year of college, and I'm going into my second lap of my senior year. And I go on a Sunday night, and I have this interaction with Jimmy, the college pastor there. And I'm like, hey, can we meet sometime? I'd love to meet with you. And he's like, how about 7 a.m. tomorrow morning? And I was like, really? Like, you're serious? He's like, yeah, that's the only time on my schedule this week I have open. And I was like, okay. He was like, where do you want to meet? And he was like, well, I'll just come to your house. So he came to my house, sat down with me in my living room, and we ate cereal together at 7 a.m. I served my college pastor cereal. It was crazy. It was awkward. It was weird. I'll be honest with you. And I told him basically what I just told you 
about my college spiritual experience. And when I got done with the conversation, he looked at me and said, hey, I know everything you just shared. I've been watching your entire college career. I've seen you each week at the college ministry. I've seen you at the other events of campus. He goes, what I've noticed about you is that your entire college career, you've been riding the coattails of other ministries. When are you gonna get in the game? Excuse me? When are you gonna get in the game? I'm like, well, what do you mean? And he's like, when are you gonna make a difference on this campus? Because I've seen you, you have influence, you have friends, you run with a lot of different crowds, but what is the legacy you're gonna leave? And when are you gonna make a difference? And when I left that conversation, I was so convicted and here's some things that I just came to learn about myself as I reflected on that conversation. One, I was a consumer. I was a consumer. And the consumer is me-centered. I was me-centered. It was like everything I evaluated and went to was like, what am I gonna get out of it? What, how's it gonna benefit me? And you know you're a consumer when me is in the equation, okay? I was critical. I was short on allegiance and quick to find fault with the church. Every one of the churches that I would go to, I could always find something that I didn't like. And because I could find something that I didn't like, I never committed to it. Which leads me to the third thing. I was non-committal and I love being independent. I was non-committal because I loved always having another option. You know how that goes. You don't commit to the things. It's like, ah, that sounds like it would be like a B-rated thing. I'm looking for the best, you know? And so I always wouldn't commit to anything. And my lack of commitment to the church cheated everyone out of God's best. Cheated everyone out of God's best. I cheated myself. And the reason I cheated myself or what happened when I cheated myself, I did not discover how God had wired me. I did not discover how God had gifted me. I wasted these moments in college where I could have been discovering my own spiritual gifts. We'll talk about that in a second. I cheated my church community, meaning that the church didn't have the gift that God had given me. I don't know if you know that, but if you follow Jesus, that he has given you a gift. Again, we're gonna talk about that in a second. And I cheated the world. And what I mean by that is that I really believe that the church is a reflection of who Jesus is, which is why I want you to change the reputation of the church. And the only way it's a true reflection of Jesus is that if all the gifts that he has given to his followers are in the church, serving the church, building up the church. If your generation is gonna change the reputation of the church, then we've gotta do something different. And the first thing that you've gotta do is that we have to see the church the way God sees the church. You have to see the church the way God sees the church. Do you know that Jesus laid down his life, not just on the cross for you and me to know him and so that we could go from death to life? and have spiritual life, but he laid down his life for the church. Scripture says that, that he laid down his life for the church. When we see the way 
God sees the church, we learn that the church matters to God. The church matters to God. He values the church so much that he gave his son to establish the church. So we gotta see it the way he sees it, that it matters to God. And secondly, that God has a plan for every believer, every follower of Jesus to be a part of the church. And what do you mean by that? Well, that's the spiritual gifts thing that I'm talking about. And this is the part of the message that I can't go all into because we really don't have time. It's a seminary class, I'll be honest with you, okay? But you're smart college students and you can figure this out. So I want you to write this down. This is what Samer, I love when Samer tells you to write things down. It's been my dream to be able to say that from, from this stage and I get to say it right now. I want you to write this down, 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12. This passage that Paul writes in this, in this chapter is amazing. It's an illustration of the human body and he compares it to the spiritual gifts in the church and how they should all work together. And what do I mean by that? I mean that there's diverse gifts, diverse gifts woven into unity, multiple gifts woven into unity for the building up of the kingdom of God. And, and what I really mean by that is that if we wanna inspire people to follow Jesus, then we've gotta be unified in the midst of our diversity. And again, this is why I want your generation to rise up and change the reputation of the church because we need that. And then finally, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, that's the second passage that you need to write down and go look up. But that passage has to do with uh, the leadership gifts that God has given are, are given for the purpose of equipping believers so that they can build up the church that everybody has value, which leads me to this third passage, 1 Peter 4.10. We'll put this one up for you. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. It says each one. Each one, do you know this? That everybody has a gift. That means right now that you have value to the kingdom of God. And I don't know if you believe that or not, but if you follow Jesus and you've put your faith in him, he has given you a gift. And if you're here tonight, by the way, and you don't follow Jesus, I'm just telling you, keep coming back. Because I believe if you keep coming here and you keep asking questions, your questions will get answered. And God wants you to know him. He wants to be in a relationship with you. And he has a gift that he's given you as well. You just have to come to know him to figure that out. That's a different message. But everyone, you have value to the kingdom. And I think this is where the church gets this wrong today. And this is why you should change, it, change the reputation of the church. Listen, we put so much value on certain gifts. And I'm telling you right now, in the kingdom of God, in God's economy, everyone's valuable. And we need everyone to build the church. And so I'm asking you, I'm pleading with you to consider what would it take for us to change the reputation of the church? 
Finally, the second thing that we need to do is we, make the, we need to make the transition from being a consumer to becoming an investor, from being a consumer to becoming an investor. Consumers consume things, and usually in this culture, consumers are usually in debt. Investors figure out how to multiply their wealth. And I'm just telling you right now, if you can figure out how to invest in the local church, you will multiply your influence in the kingdom of God. And I'm not saying your influence is gonna multiply. I'm saying the kingdom of God is going to expand because of your influence, because you have invested into the kingdom of God. And so that leads us to the bottom line. Now is the time to discover. Now is the time to take the leap. Now is the time to discover how you are gifted and to learn how you can invest in the local church. Why do I say now is the time? There is no better season than right now for you. I'm just telling you right now, you can commit to a local church. You don't even have to commit to this local church. We would be okay with that. We just want you to be committed somewhere. Show up and say, hey, I would love to get involved. I wanna help. I wanna make a difference. And get involved and commit to it. And as you do that, you're gonna discover what God has placed in you, what, what gift he has given you so that you can help build up the church for his name's sake. So after my conversation with Jimmy and after I got out of the awkwardness of my living room and eating cereal together and reflected on it, I had nine weeks left of school because I had one semester left and I was gonna spend half of it overseas in England and I had nine weeks. And I was like, man, I've got to do something before I graduate to make a difference here. And so I, I got together with four friends and I said, listen, I want to make a difference among the Greek community at Baylor University. And I wanna start a small group that is focused specifically on people that are in fraternities and sororities. That's who my friends were at the time. That's where I was. And I was like, we need to reach this community. And so I started this small group. I had nine weeks. We started with five people. All of a sudden it became 10 and then it became 15. And then I think by the time in my ninth week, we had like 18 to 20 people there. And then I left and never came back. I was gone. Two years later, I show up back at Baylor University. I got to spend a week there and I sat down with Mark, who was one of the co-leaders with me, and he was still there leading the way. And I said, Mark, what's going on? He's like, you're not gonna believe this. I'm like, what? And he's like, hey, as soon as you graduated, the next semester, we had to start two small groups because we had 30 people coming. And out of the two small groups, we had some people in our small group sign up for a mission trip to Mexico and they invited their fraternity brothers and sorority sisters to join them. But the problem was the fraternity brothers and the sorority sisters didn't know Jesus. So they got them to spend their spring break in Mexico to go tell people in Mexico about Jesus, but they didn't know Jesus. And then they get on into Mexico, they start preaching the gospel to the other people and the people that came with them put their faith in Jesus. They came back to Baylor University and they couldn't stop talking about Jesus. They started inviting their friends to small group. They had to start another one. Then they had to start another one. He said, Brad, two years later, 
We have 16 small groups of all fraternity and sorority, guys and girls. There's over 250 students in groups. And I share that story with you, not to say, hey, this is what happened, this is what I did. I share that story to you to tell you the power of the local church, that the local church was God's plan for a movement. And the only way a movement can be sustained is if it's in an organization like the church. So, what will it take for your generation to change the reputation of the local church? It's gonna take you investing your life in the church. That's what it's gonna take. And you can do that right now. And as I think back on my time at Baylor, all I can think about is what would have happened if it hadn't have been my senior year that I had awakened to this moment, but it had been my sophomore year or my junior year? Who would we have reached? What could have happened then? So I hope you will invest your life in the church and I hope you will help us change the reputation of the local church all over the world. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for these students. I thank you for what you're doing in their lives. And I thank you for the way you value each of them and you see each of them right where they are. And God, I pray tonight that they would know how significant they are to you and how much you love them and how you've wired them and how you've created them and that you have a plan for their life that would blow their minds today and that if you revealed the whole thing to them. But it is greater than any dream that they have because you wanna use them to glorify your name in all the earth. So would you do that? Would you lead us from this place tonight? In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.